Can you please stand for prayer? Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us recognize how great you are. Thank you for blessing us with all the stuff you have given us. Um, Lift up those who are sick or hurting and the people who are taking care of the sick loved ones. Thank you for bringing us together to your house. Help us focus on the sermon and not get distracted and to understand and apply the sermon to our life. Amen. You can be seated now. Thanks, Ava. Okay, our scripture reading today is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross.
All praise and worship goes to the Lamb of Jesus Christ. But the youth did a super job just presenting the holiness of who we serve. Thank you again for leading in worship. We must have a great youth minister. Well, moving on. Today is Youth Sunday. I'm bringing the message for y'all this morning. And uh, we don't count announcements as part of worship because it's not. It's just uh, a formality. Take what's going on. Worships began when Alyssa read the scriptures to us. The proclamation of God's word being read from up on, up on high, actually, from here. And then the youth spent just six minutes and about four seconds saying two phrases in sign language and presented it over and over. You don't have to make it complicated to worship the Father. You don't have to make it grand. This is just motions from the hands motions from your arms, and all it did was give all praise to the name that's above all names, Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about that day, Jesus. Uh, now, when we look at that name of Jesus, we've got to say, where did that name Jesus come from? Well, I know all y'all the Bible scholars, so I know you guys know in Luke 1, 31, that's where the verse we see Jesus, the name of Jesus is mentioned. The angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you shall call him Jesus. 
So where did the messenger of the angel come from? Well, he's a messenger of God. So God sent the angel. He technically named his own son. All right? He named him Jesus. So when we talk about the power of the name of Jesus, we're not doing it because we like the name of Jesus. It's because it was bestowed by God to his son. Thus, it is a powerful name. Matter of fact, if my druthers, that, should, that name should be retired from all time. Is anybody ever using that name? Because that name is, should be only appointed for the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But I digress. Jesus what a powerful name. What does God think about his name, Jesus? Well, you know because he named him Jesus. And also we know of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? God gave his son, the one he named Jesus. It's the one for the sacrifice that will take away all the wrath of God for all sin, for those who claim and believe in the name of Jesus. But what does Jesus say about his own name? What does Jesus say about himself? Well, we could spend a long time, we don't have that much time today, reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, parts of Acts where Jesus is speaking, and then most of the book of Revelation when Jesus is speaking. We ain't got time for that. But I like to look at a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. All right? Just a small conversation. And we're going to be looking at John 14, 15, and 16. Now, the youth, they heard me say this earlier in the first service, but they have gone through those chapters in a, uh, a way of look, how to look at anxiety and stress and how to uh, look at those things and how God wants to help us to get through those times of, that our hearts shouldn't be troubled. If there is anxiety and stress, he gives, he gives a great list of things that helps us to focus our mind. But what we need to do, we're going to look at these scriptures and we're going to pull out some things in this conversation that he has with his disciples. Now, I'm going to read, again, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, to get us started again. <clears throat> Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. <clears throat> Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity... And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's Jesus and his humility. And we're going to learn about his exaltation shortly. Now, there is power in the name of Jesus, as we just read there. But in that name, Jesus, we're going to find out what he says about himself in John 14, 15, and 16. But here's the setup. Before this conversation happens, here's what's going on right before the conversation begins. He has just washed the disciples' feet, right? They're in the upper room. He says, this is what service looks like. You must allow me to wash your feet if you want to be a part of my kingdom. Betrayal is predicted. He does everybody know that someone here is going to betray me. Then he talks about being glorified, that he is glorified through the Father. The Father is glorified through him. There's lots of glory going on between the two. Then he talks about love, love each other as he has loved them. And then he also goes on to say, they will know you, that you're my followers, that you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. And then finally, before the conversation starts, he pulls Peter aside and says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Now the conversation is going to start. 
Now, what's unique about this conversation, these four chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John, is this. This is the last time he talks to them in this manner. He'll have a few snippets here and there in the garden, maybe from the cross, but he doesn't talk like this again to them until the resurrection when he meets them in the upper room. So this is his last time to formally talk with his disciples. And if you look at these, John 14, 15, 16, here's a few simple facts. One, chapter 14 has 31 verses. Of course, we put that in later, right? Chapter 15, 25 verses. And chapter 16, 33 verses. Give you a grand total of 89 verses in these 89 verses. If you read it, with, even with dramatic pauses, if you think, hey, I'm reading it as Jesus is reading it, and you give a dramatic pause for him to understand certain situations as he presents the facts and presents the truth, it only takes about 20 minutes for this conversation to happen. 20 minutes. We're going to dissect these 20 minutes, all right, based on the powerful name of Jesus. So if you want to look, I will not be quoting a lot of verses, but we will look at the very first one. It'll be on the screen for you if you want to, but here we go. John 14, 1, he starts off, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. I want to stop right there because the youth, oh my goodness, I got keys. Alex, will you take these keys? Good job, good job. All right, you get nothing for that, but good job though. Anyway, we got, let not your hearts be troubled. Now in the youth, we looked, took about nine sessions, nine Wednesdays to go through this. That's nine weeks, about 45 minutes of time. So a lot of hours we put in looking through this about how to work with stress and anxiety. And we shouldn't let our hearts be troubled because Christ says, don't let your hearts be troubled. It shouldn't happen. Thus, we should not be troubled. But he says this. We're going to go with this route. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Right then and there. Jesus makes a statement about who he is. He didn't say believe in God only. He didn't say believe in me only. He said believe in God, believe also in me. He just put the two together. You can't believe one without the other and the other without the one. It's a dual package. It has to happen. But the world doesn't like that. You know the world doesn't like when you throw Jesus into the concept of understanding who God is. Because the world says, uh, well, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And this is where Jesus gets all intolerant on everybody. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't go around that any other way. It is only through Jesus. Though, so when that statement he said, believe God, believe also in me, boom. He doubled down on this part when he says, no one gets to my dad unless you come through me. You have to believe in both. It's not one or the other, the other or the one. But the world says this, God is too big to fit into one religion. Well, as I said in the first service, that shows the idiocy, the stupidness, the, I'll say the words again, dumbness, the, uh, the uh, arrogance, and the, how about this one, the depravity of the mind. When they say, well, God is too big to be in one religion. He's in all religions, and we all will get there eventually. And it's different paths up the mountain. That's, most, that's hogwash. This is nothing but stupid lies, all right? It's ridiculous because why? Jesus goes on in verse 7 and says, If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I am God. We are the same. 
That's why Jesus is so important. That's why there's power in the name of Jesus. And that power, the name of Jesus, was bestowed on by who? By God when he named his son, the Messiah, the gift of the world. He named him Jesus. So we're going to look at these scriptures. But before we go any further, the youth have a little segue. I didn't warn them the first time, but they already know what's going on. No children can say anything. Shh. No adults say anything. You might wake up your neighbor next to you. No senior adults can say anything. This is only for the youth to answer loudly. Loudly. Not loudly. Here we go. How many times does Jesus have to say something for it to be true? Man, that's the best. Good job. So, congregation, how many times does Jesus have to say something for it to be true? Very good. Youth win. Good job. All right, now moving on. So, we're going to look at this. What if Jesus, in this 20-minute conversation, like a sermon, well, depends on who's preaching, right? Could be longer, could be shorter. Depending on what's going on, in a 20-minute conversation, if Jesus says one thing, it's true. But what if he says it two times? What if he says something three times? What if he says something four times or more in the same conversation? Shouldn't our ears go, what? Like our little wiener dog, what? I hear packages of food opening up, right? So we should be what alert. Why is is Jesus saying this two times? Why is he saying it again? Why is he saying it again? We got to pay attention. It's true. Does it make it even more true? No. Truth is truth from Jesus. And it's a terrible analogy, but it's one I can only, I worked on, well, minimally worked on. Here's the analogy of that scenario. Say you lived in a big city, downtown, in an apartment complex, and you had a child. In the morning, you wake up to the child who's school age, and the school is only two blocks away, and it's a safe area. And so you go, you wake up, good morning, sunshine. I love you. I got breakfast for you. Breakfast is good for you, and I love you. They eat the food, and then all of a sudden, right, they just get done. That was good, Mom. That was good, Dad. And you put it in the garden. Now, listen, remember, look both ways when you cross the street. Then all of a sudden, they're walking out your apartment door. Remember, look both ways before you cross the street. Then you get in the elevator, boom, on the way down. Remember, we got to look both ways, right, before we cross the street. Just make sure you boom, doors open, got the front door. You go out the apartment complex. Remember, look both ways before you cross the street. Then you get to the sidewalk, and you get to the corner where there's a crosswalk, and you go, remember, look both ways when you cross the street. Now, both of those things that were said were true. What was the first one, Michael? I love you, right? That's what you said to your mom, or to your, as parents said to their child. I love you. That's a true statement. And that's also a true statement. Look both ways before you cross the street. But which one was over and over and over again? Because of the situation that's getting ready to happen. They're going across the street. And the parents know the dangers that could happen. So the parent is telling the child over and over. They know they love them, but now they're telling this over and over. doesn't make it any more true to cross the street that they love you. It's the same truth, but they're reminding them over and over again because they know the dangers that's coming. So if Jesus says something in this conversation more than once and twice and three times and four times, maybe we need to pay attention to what's said. Now we'll break it down for you. We're going to look at these things. So, in summary of John 14, 15, two times in those 20 minutes, he tells them, you will be cut off. And what does he mean? Uh, I'm taking away your phone privileges? No. What he's saying, you will be cut off. If you do not produce the fruit, you're supposed to be producing. If you're not a part of the vine, you're a branch without the vine, you will be cut off, you're removed, and you will be burned. Twice he tells that to the disciples, the ones who are following him. He's setting something up. Two times he says, I chose you. He reminded the disciples, I chose you. 
you didn't choose me. I know you followed me, but you didn't choose. I chose you first. You did not choose me. Three times he talks about the Holy Spirit or the counselor coming. And when he talks about the Holy Spirit and the counselor coming, he's saying, there's one who's coming that will remind you of every single thing I've said. That's almost verbatim. Everything I've said. I also said it will bring you comfort. It will be there to lead you and guide you. Three times he says that. But in those three times, two of the times he says, I have to leave. If I don't leave, it's not going to happen. I must leave in order for the Spirit to come, in order for the Counselor to come, in order for the Holy Spirit to be manifested in your life. I have to leave for this to happen. Three times. Now listen, we've got two times, two times, three times, three times. This is only 20 minutes, but he's already said this as many times. Third, three times he says this, my joy will make you complete. Not this world's joy. He says it specifically. My joy. So you can't really have joy unless it's Christ in you bringing you the joy. Because your joy, there's no such word. We're sinful. We're of flesh. We're of impurity. True joy will, be, will make you complete. And that's only coming from the powerful name of Jesus. Because he says it himself. My joy will make you complete. Well, three more times he says this. Ask in my name and it will be given. And we got to be careful here. This is when a, a little landfall slide we can fall off into a little ditch and uh, a ravine because we kind of throw this name Jesus around a little bit and we just throw it in like a tag, like an abracadabra thing or a hocus pocus thing or a Harry Potter. Whoa, wong. You don't throw the name of Jesus around just to get what you want. That's not very... That's not very spiritual. That's not very the way reverent as it's supposed to use because the Bible tells us. He goes on to say those three times. One, two of the times he says, in my name will be given to bring glory to the Father. So if it's not going to bring glory to God, you can ask all day. It's not going to happen. What do you mean, Michael? Well, I... Jesus' name, I want that new car. Jesus' name, give me a better house. In Jesus' name, him and I got that speeding ticket. Went down the road, no one going too fast. But Jesus' name, him and not get caught. In Jesus' name, I want that new console. In Jesus' name, I want to beat this level of this video game I'm playing. In Jesus' name, I want you a new, I want a car that looks better than my other. In Jesus' name, I want a boyfriend or girlfriend. In Jesus' name, see what I'm talking about? No, no. We got to be careful throwing that name around. It is the most holy and powerful name. It needs to be used correctly. Because think about this. If, if it's not going to bring glory to the Father, how many times we've asked something that's so selfish? It's all about us. It's all about our own desires. And the things we're asking for will even lead us on down the road of temptation to sin. And it'll make, and have, make the fall even worse. Something to think about. Three times he says that. Uh-oh, he's up to four. Four times he says this, love me and remain in my love. Now quickly look at that. He just says, Jesus, Jesus saying, love me and remain in my love. 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 That's the four times. Why is he saying that? Because he knows our sinful. He knows our sinful nature. We tend to love other things. It kind of creeps in. We, we slowly stop remaining in his love. We start stepping out of the bounds of love. and becomes more of a selfish desire and our, our impurities take over. He's reminding them, love me and remain 
in my love. Look at this. Four times he says, my peace I give you. Not just joy. Now he says a specific thing. He says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Because the world doesn't give peace. You can sing all the songs you want to about give peace a chance. It will not matter. There's only one peace. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that brings true peace. Seven times. Guys, y'all realize we've gone through four, four, three, 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 two, two, two. And now we're up to seven times in a conversation. 20 minutes is almost up. And he's still repeating this seven times. You will have trials. Or he says, you will have sorrows. Or he says, you will have persecutions. Or you will have those type of things, right? Trials, sorrows, grief, persecutions. Tribulations is one too. Depends what version of the scriptures you look at. Now, seven times he says that. Now, is he saying this? And I want to say no when I say this next thing. He's not saying, oh, I've sinned. And I've messed up. And now I'm in trouble with my boss or in trouble with my family or in trouble with whoever, the authorities. And now I'm in trouble. God, I know you told me I was going to have trials and tribulations and sorrows. No, he's not talking about our sinfulness. When we choose to sin, we, now then we may be forgiven, but we still got to live out the ramifications or the consequences of our sins. He's talking about, and he makes it sure you know, seven times he says you have trials because of me. Because of the powerful name of Jesus. This world does not like the name of Jesus. Seven times he says that. Surely that's all he said. That's got to be enough. Why is he repeating these things? Remember, I'm, I'm just showing you the repeats. He said other things one time, and that's still just as true. Seven times he also says, if you love me, you will. Now, I'm going to set the standard here. I said in the first service, say again, I love this statement because you've heard this and if you're older. Jesus is the only one in history, past, present, or future, who could ever say that and it be mean what it's supposed to mean. To say, if you love me, then you will. He's the only one who can ever say that because he's the total truth. You know what I mean? How many times have you heard this? A teacher should never say that to a student. A parent should never say that to a child. A wife should never say that to her husband. A husband should never say that to her wife. A friend should never say it to a friend. A pastor should never say it to the congregation. The congregation shouldn't say it to each other because you don't have to prove your love for anybody. But Jesus is the only one allowed to say, if you love me, then you, what he say? He says these things, then you will follow my word, follow my commands, or follow what I say. Those are the three ways he says it. Seven times. Surely that's all he said. He's not repeating anything else, has he, Michael? Yes, he has. Six times he says, I am doing only what the Father instructs. This is a 20-minute conversation. Remember, keep that in mind. He says that six times. I am doing only what the Father instructs in some fashion, some form. He says, I do what my Father commands me to do. Or I'm only doing what he tells me to do. I only do what my Father asks me to do. I will always be doing my Father's will. Those are the top things. Six times he tells that to him. Six times. Surely that's all. Nope. Eight times he says this in that 20 minutes. Some fashion, some form, the Father and I are the same. Thus going back, one of those, remember the very beginning, John 14, 1, believe God, believe also me. And he keeps on saying, we are the same. We are the same. We are that you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father, you've seen me. 
over and over and over again. So, in a quick, rapid way, what does this mean? Well, here we go. Let's go backwards. And we go a little fast and see if we catch this all together. Here we go. Eight times it says the Father and I are the same. That means they are the same. Jesus, God are one. They cannot do without one or the other. You have to believe in both. They are a package deal. Six times he says, I'm doing only what the Father instructs. That means Jesus says, if you love me, then you will do what I say. Jesus says, because it's a powerful name, says, you will have trials because of my name, because of what I stand for. And he says, my peace, only my peace. I give you. You don't need any other peace in this world. And tells you, he also goes on and says, love me and remain in my love. That's the name of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus. That's the power of Jesus. Ask in my name and it will be given. You don't ask any other name. You ask in my name. And if it's going to glorify God, it shall be given if according to the will of God. And then also he says, Two times, three times. My joy will be complete. It's only my joy, not your joy, not anything in this world. Now, the Holy Spirit is coming. It's going to remind you of every single thing I ever told you. It's going to lead you, guide you, direct you, and it's going to be a part of me. We're all a part. There's the Trinity. And two times it says it has to happen. I have to leave for it to happen. And finally, two times he says, I chose you. You did not choose me. And that goes back to our salvation. You think you might have asked Jesus into your heart, which is an odd way to say it. Nope. God, the scripture tells us God drew you, me, to his son. Jesus looked at you and gave the offer. Then you either reject him or you bow down to him. He chose us. We didn't choose him. And two times he says, if you're not doing, you're cut off. You got to be a part of the vine. Not a branch out by itself. You'll be thrown and cast away. What a name. What a name and powerful name of Jesus. Reminds me of a <clears throat> song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name master savior jesus like the fragrance after the rain jesus 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 will let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name you know Jesus that name Jesus, ever since God named his son Jesus, I dare say has been called upon more than any name past, any name present, or any name that ever will be. It's been claimed and asked for by the mouth of humans. You know, that name Jesus is called upon when loved ones walk into a hospital room of a sick one. The name of Jesus is whispered by parents by the bedside of a sick child. That name Jesus is celebrated of a birth of a new child into a family's life. 
And yet that same name Jesus is called upon for understanding when the parents never get to hold their unborn child. You know, that name Jesus has been cried out to for peace and encouragement when they have to lay, lay a loved one to rest in the ground. And that name Jesus is celebrated by hundreds of thousands of churches around this world even as we speak. You know, that name Jesus was called upon and shouted upon and cried out to by men and women who may be on foxholes and battlefronts or war zones. That name of Jesus is called out for in times of tribulation and heartache and pain and suffering. The name of Jesus is called upon when there's acts of terrorism and atrocities in our society. And yet the name of Jesus is called upon in, in times of hurricanes and disasters, of earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, floods, whatever the case may be. And that name of Jesus is cried out to in a begging way by a soul that realizes they got nothing. They have nothing to give God. And when they stand before God, they know they're depleted of all things. They have no good to give God. And yet that's when Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, reaches down into that nastiness of the murk of this world and pulls that soul from deliverance from the, the wrath of God that will happen in hell and pulls them up and says, no longer you just an image bearer. You're my child. You are now a child of God. And when that happens, the name of Jesus echoes around the realms of the heavens and all of eternity by the saints that have gone on before and also by the angels that proclaim the name of Jesus also. But you know what? The name of Jesus also brings division in this world. The name of Jesus brings animosity in this world. This name of Jesus is despised by the world. Why? Because it entails that there's something above them. The people don't like there's something above them. The world hates that there's an absolute standard. The world hates that there's an absolute wrong. The world hates that Jesus is the standard. And they fight it. They try to hate it. They try to refute it. They try to dispute it. They try to mute it. But it, it's not going to happen. Why? Because we have and finish the scripture when we look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and following it says for this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that every that in the name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth that means uh, does that mean maybe michael does that mean could be does that mean might be does that mean perhaps it'll be does that mean maybe no it means every knee shall bow before the holy name of jesus not only that it goes on to say and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is Lord. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty, the brass facts, where you want to look at it. Let's look at this as simple as possible. So it doesn't matter if you're tall or if you're short. Sorry about that, Kelsey. It doesn't matter. You will bow down before the Holy Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So it doesn't matter if you're wide or if you're thin. It doesn't matter if you're good looking 
or not so good looking. It doesn't matter if you're a hateful attitude or a peaceful attitude. It doesn't matter if you like to sit on the left side of the auditorium or if you like to sit on the right side of the auditorium. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist or if you're Methodist. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or if you're Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you go to school or you're uneducated. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It doesn't matter if you own a house or not. It doesn't matter if you own a car or you just ride a bike. It doesn't matter if you like exercise or if you don't like exercise. It doesn't matter if you like the KJV or the NIV. It doesn't matter either one of these because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. And every knee will bow before the King and pronounce Him Lord of everything and there's only two things that's going to happen when that happens and woe 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 to the first one may it never be may you never wish upon your worst enemy because the first thing that could happen when you go in front of the holy one the powerful name of jesus this is what could happen when you come in there you may be defiant you may try to keep your mouth shut i will not pronounce you lord but guess what you'll be buckled in front of the holiness of christ you'll be bow down in front of him and you'll grit your teeth and you'll still have to say you're Lord of everything but then he'll look and says bring me the book of deeds look in Revelation bring me the book of life he brings it he looks at the deeds shakes his head he looks at the Lamb's book of life shakes his head looks down upon you if this is your circumstance looks upon you and says I do not know you as a matter of fact you hate my father, thus you're my enemy. And if you're my enemy, you're God's enemy. You blasphemed me. You did everything for yourself. You tried to ridicule the gospel. You tried to say everything negative about me and about my dad. I do not know you. I don't want to be a part of you. And you have no place here with me because you are of your father's business. Your father's will, the devil. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. May it never be so. But there's another option that could happen. When we go and find the Holy Lord, Jesus Christ, the powerful name, we won't be made to bow down. We'll fall down willingly because His holiness is so overwhelming. Like a tsunami, we just want to fall down at His feet. Oh, we'll be happy to see our King finally face to face, but we will be fearful because we know the things we have not done right and the things we should have done better. But then He'll say, bring me the book of deeds. He'll look, and maybe He'll throw a grin at you. He'll look again at the book, Lamb of Life, and so. Look down at you and say, I know you. I see my blood in you. I see my forgiveness in you. I see my righteousness in you. I see my mercy in you. I see my grace in you. I see my goodness in you. I see my perfection in you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come up here. Enter in. Enter in to the kingdom of heaven. Your joy is made complete. Which one are you? Which one are you? Now, if you're still sitting there going, well, whatever. Maybe we got too many calluses. Maybe we just got too many calluses. Physically, having calluses sometimes is good. So if you're working out and hanging on stuff, it doesn't hurt as bad. It doesn't hurt your hands as bad. Spiritual calluses, no go. No go. Not a good thing. Because you become dead to the word of God. 
we're coming up on an invitation. I want to ask you to ask God to rip off your spiritual calluses and refresh his word. It's so sensitive to you. You can't help be moved by his word. You can't help be moved by his spirit. You can't help be moved by the powerful name of Jesus and what that means. As I said in the first service, tongue-in-cheek, I'll say it's truth. We don't believe in Catholicism here. You don't have to come through a pastor to get to God. There's only one high priest. That's Jesus. That's how powerful the name of Jesus. We're just here to help if you need a prayer. You can come to the altar here shortly, and you can just give it to God and say, I got nothing. I need you, Christ. And you know what happens. We just talked about it. Or if you need to ask for God to take that, those calluses away. This is the time to do it. Or if you have a matter of prayer, I want to ask Nathan and, and Mark to come up here just shortly, and they'll pray if you need to. But it's between you and God. And I'm going to sing a song, and I'll ask you to sing later in a little bit for it. Would you please stand? Father God, may you be pleased with your people's decisions. May you be pleased with our obedience to you in the most powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been held by the Savior And I felt far from above And I've been down to the river I ain't the same The prodigal returned and all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. And I've been washed by the blood is this you well I'm no stranger to the prison mm. I've worn shackles and chains <laughs> but I've been freed and forgiven oh I'm not going back and I'll never be the same. Sing with me. All my hope is in Jesus. Well, thank God my yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. And I've been washed by the blood. Is this, is this you? <clears throat> There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man. 
Breaks him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Oh, yes, Lord. Then he picks me up and he shows me what it means to be a man. Come on. All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone And all my sins are forgiven And I've been washed by the blood Sing it with me again one more time And all my hope is in Jesus. Can you proclaim that one? <laughs> Thank God my yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. Why have you been washed by the Blood. Amen and amen. There's still people praying. We we'll ask the ushers if you guys will get ready. We'll continue to worship at this time. Our um, Ellis, Mr. Ellis DeFord, come on up here. Come on up there on the stage. We got some time. And we're leading us in, in the offertory worship. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us all here together today. Thank you for this beautiful day of life. Thank you for all these wonderful people around us that are here to worship you together. And please take these tithes and offerings and use them to the best of your will. And please let them just help this beautiful facility that you have provided to us to worship you in. You're in my prayer. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 